Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. We're going to begin reading in verse 1, and for context, we'll read down probably to verse 12. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet, I, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news you yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Aren't you glad you've been called to share into God's kingdom? Amen. Let's pray this evening. Father, we love you. We thank you. Opportunity we have to be here tonight. We ask you to open our hearts and give us ears so we would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, may we take this word and apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So as we begin chapter two, Paul sets out on a, on a discourse and, and a defense of his apostolic mission. This section is, is powerful on several levels. One is, Paul states the manner of which he and his associates lived among them. This is a section that reminds us that you cannot separate the man from the message. Amen? You cannot separate the man from the message one theologian writes this, character and results could not be separated. Sound character produced credible results. So Paul offers himself and those that are with him, his companions, as examples. And he's speaking about the character that they displayed while they were among the Thessalonian believers. And church, understand that character matters. Now, another reason this is a powerful passage is <coughs> wrong motives lead to wrong results. 
Paul goes to great lengths to demonstrate that his motives and the motives of his associates were pure. So the motive behind the actions are important. So why do we do the things we do? Why do we take the actions that we do? Motives. Motives can be very tricky, you know. <laughs> Motives sometimes are very hard to detect. It's hard for others to really know what the motives are. But we ourselves know our own motives. Do we do what we do for self-promotion? Is it for a personal agenda? See, the why is an internal question that must be asked over and over again to keep our agenda in check. The why is an internal question that we must ask ourselves over and over again to keep our agenda in check. Because it is about his agenda and not our agenda. It's about his kingdom and not our kingdom. So are we living for the praise of the audience or the praise of the one? Uh, and as you read this passage, you soon recognize that Paul, Paul was, not, was not living for the praise of the audience. He was living for the praise of the one, God Almighty. So let's get into our passage this evening and he begins in, in verse 1. He says, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated in, at Philippi and just before we came to you and how much we suffered yet there, yet God gave us courage to declare his good news to you boldly. Hear me. No matter what yesterday brought, you can still have courage today. No matter what sufferings you walked through yesterday, you can have courage to do the right thing uh, today. Now, in verse 1, the, the, the Holman commentary has a great introduction to chapter 2 in verse 1. And I want to read some of it this, this evening. It says, the second chapter of Thessalonians begins with Paul's reassurance that his visit to you was not a failure. Considering the, the trouble which erupted shortly after their arrival, such a statement could be made only by a person who measured success differently than society's standards. Because you remember when he arrived at Macedonia, it wasn't long before there was a, a riot, a mob, and then he and his companions had to leave. Now, to the natural eye, it would look as if the enemy won. But he did not. God established a church there, and now we have the, the, the letter written back to this church. I remind you that God sees success differently than the world sees success. Did you hear me? God sees success differently than the world sees success. Sometimes we carry around a false guilt 
of failure. Sometimes we carry around a false guilt that things were not successful. But I remind you, God is still working behind the scenes. God is still working on your behalf. And, and God does not look at success the way the world looks at success. God is looking for faithfulness. So let me ask an important question. How do we measure success? How do we measure success? Now, if you look in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, you'll see that it gives a, a brief description of, of their dramatic stay in the city. And read that because it gives you context to the letter of 1 Thessalonians. And on Paul and Silas's swing through Macedonia, they, it tells us in verse 1 that they headed west out of Philippi, passing through the towns of Amphipolis and uh, Aponia. These towns were bypassed because they were simply mentioned as, as markers progressing their journey. But in the next city, Thessalonica, there was a synagogue. So Paul and Silas halted their travels, and as was their habit, these, these men went to the synagogue and they began to reason with the Jews from the scriptures. And verse two and three says, proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. So as their custom was, they go to a synagogue and then from the scriptures talking about the Old Testament, they would reason with the Jews. They'd reason with them why the Christ, the Messiah, had to suffer and to die and to rise again. And it's through these discussions and teachings that conversions began to happen. So the word tells us that some Jews and perhaps uh, they became alarmed because there were so many people getting saved. Matter of fact, in verse 4, it says, a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women were believers now. So these Greeks, though uncircumcised, followed Jewish ceremonies and theology, and they were favorable toward Jewish ambitions. So their responses, no doubt, threatened the Jewish tradition and the thinking and the power of the religious looters religious rulers. So what they did, according to chapter 17, is they incited a riot. They incited a mob. And what happened is Paul, Silas, and Timothy were ran out of the town. And Paul was reminding them, though we had to leave in a hurry, our visit among you was not a failure. You know, sometimes things change abruptly. Sometimes things change suddenly. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we think they will. Even when you're doing the right thing, even when you're doing the righteous thing, sometimes it seems like things shift unexpectedly. But I remind you, it does not mean it's a failure. 
God is working. And somebody needs to hear that because there's been some things that, that, that didn't turn out quite the way you thought they would. And, and, and you're done the right thing. You were doing the right thing. You were living right. But suddenly there was some shifting. Suddenly there was something that took place that you had no control over. And I remind you that it was not a failure. The enemy's been using those things over your head. The enemy's been using those things to, to heap condemnation and guilt on you. Understand, keep your eyes on Jesus. And then we pick up in verse 2 where, where he says, You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So Paul was establishing uh, the, the, the character of, of, of the missionaries, of he and his associates. He says, you know what happened before we got there, what happened in Philippi. You know how we were treated. And in spite of the ill treatment at Philippi, Paul and Silas continued on their calling of preaching the good news. Now hear me, often when hardships come, we sometimes interpret this as a sign to give up, to go away, or change our course of action. But notice that Paul and Silas, even though they, they, they received ill treatment in Philippi, they continued on their journey of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just because you were treated in an ill way yesterday does not mean you need to give up today. I'm here to remind you, stay faithful to your calling. Stay faithful to your God. Stay faithful to the course, and God will bless you. Receive that word this evening. Paul calls upon their personal testimony. He says, you know how badly we had been treated them. The Thessalonians had firsthand knowledge of what the apostle and his associates went through. He says, you know how we suffered there, talking about Philippi. Well, let me read chapter 16 of Acts, verse 22 through 24. Gives you an example. You remember what took place in Philippi. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and city officials ordered their, them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Paul was reminding the believers of the great hardships and suffering they went through to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Now, he's bringing this out because... This is proof of Paul's love for them. This is proof of their genuine heart and motive. This serves as proof of their calling. Because if they were not sure in their calling, they would have quit. If they were not sure in their calling, they would have, they would have stopped. They had sacrificed so much and experienced great hardship for the Thessalonians to hear the gospel. Others would have stopped. Others would have quit. They would have given up. But the called, that is the sent ones, will keep moving, keep going, keep faithful. Can I remind you that you are the called? You are the anointed. You are the sent ones. 
Can I remind you that God's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this? The enemy's attacking you. The enemy's bombarding you. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's the time to keep persevering, keep going, because there's a Thessalonica in front of you. There's somebody who near needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he talks about his reaction in, in the second part of verse 2. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. See, our response in times of pressure often reveals the character within. Our response in times of pressure often reveals the character within. Jesus talking about the difference between a shepherd and a hired hand said this. John 10 verse 13, the hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But not Paul, not Silas, not his companions. They didn't run away when hardship. They didn't run away when suffering. They didn't run away. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. Can I remind you, you're not a hired hand. You're called. You're chosen. You're a part of the family. God's given you a, a new heart. Can I, can I remind you, you're not one who runs away. You're not one who stops and quits. I remind you, God's given you a love for the sheep. I remind you that the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He said, listen, in spite of the opposition, in spite of it, you got courage. That word courage means to speak freely. It means to open, uh, openly, fear, fearlessly. It means to have courage. The word is used in the sense of to speak freely and honestly, to speak straightforwardly as without fear. He says, you know what? We were beaten. We were thrown in jail. We were we, we were stripped and we were left in a dungeon, but God gave us courage anyway. <laughs> See, the enemy will try to cause you to shut up. The enemy will try to cause you to keep your mouth shut. But I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit will give you courage. You'll be bold like a lion. I'm here to remind you that the Spirit of God that lives and abides and dwells within you, though the enemy may put you in a prison-like situation, the Holy Ghost will give you a song in the middle of the night. In the middle of that confinement, you can rejoice and sing. In the middle of being rejected, in the middle of being cast down, hear me today, you will not be destroyed because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can somebody give God praise? This is the God that we serve. He said, listen, We've gone through some stuff. Let me tell you what God did for us. God's always working. He's always producing something. And guess what he was producing in their life? He was producing courage. It is to have courage in the face of danger. I like this. It is to stand up anyhow. I'm going to stand up. The devil's going to knock me. I'm going to stand up. Anyone's going to attack me. I'm going to stand up. Oh, he's going to throw everything he can. I'm going to stand up. Why? Because the Spirit of God is producing courage. It means to speak despite the consequences. 
Mm, what a 21st century message for the church today. When the, when the culture and everybody's trying to tell us, be quiet, be quiet, don't talk about abortion, don't talk about, don't talk about traditional marriage, don't talk about homosexuality. Listen, God will give you courage to stand up and speak. God will give you courage to stand upon the word of God. God will give you courage to speak. Thus saith the Lord. It's time for us to have courage to declare, to speak out with love. Can you say amen? amen? Paul and his companions did not allow the opposition to silence them. When threats came their way, they stayed true to their purpose. They understood their call. I remind you, you got to understand your call. You'll read back in Acts chapter 15, you'll see that they were sent out by the leadership of the church. You who are preparing for full-time ministry, preparing, studying, it's important. It's important you go through the process. It's important that you have hands laid upon you and you're sent out by the church. I want you to notice Paul and Silas were sent out by the leadership of the early church. There's something about that ordination service. There's something about that laying on of hands. When your peers come around you and other ministers and bishops lay hands upon you and declare, they recognize the call of God upon you. Because hear me, the enemy's going to attack you. The enemy's going to attack your call. And you need to know that you've been sent forth, not by your mama, not by your parents, but you've been sent forth by those ordained by God. It's imperative. That you walk through that process and you go through it. In Acts 15, they were sent out by the leadership of the church. In Acts 16, they were called and directed by the Spirit of God. Verse 6, in chapter 16, it says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north from the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision, and a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10 says, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Let me tell you, when you know that you know that you know God's put you and planted you, when opposition comes, there's not a devil in hell that can cause you to turn back because you know God has put you there. Yes. Church, I know this. Everywhere I've been, I've pastored two churches, and I've asked the Lord each time when I, before I took the position, I said, Lord, I got to know that I know you placed me there because I knew that the enemy was going to attack. And church, both times, the Lord distinctly let me know without a shadow of a doubt the call of God. I've never done a fleece before, but before I came to Glad Tidings, I asked the Lord for two fleeces. And guess what? Both of those fleeces were completed when others said it wouldn't happen. So when the enemy has bombarded me with doubts and, and, and fears of failure and lack of success the last 20 years. It's that call that I go back to that I know that I know God has planted me here in Ocoee, Florida, in West Orange, 
count him. When the enemy assails with doubts, when the enemy attacks with sufferings, I know my calling because I've heard the voice of God. And I imagine when the Apostle Paul and Silas, they were in that Philippian jail. I remember, I, I, I can imagine as they were singing, they were also recalling the vision of the man calling them to Macedonia. They knew that they knew they were in the place that God had called them, even though it brought suffering, even though it brought hardship. And church, you've got to know that God's directing your path, that God's directing your steps, because the enemy's going to attack you. The enemy's going to bombard you. The enemy's going to come against you. But go back to that call. Go back. That you know the only way you could be where you are is not by coincidence, but by the purposes and plans of God. Ooh, somebody give God praise. <coughs> They were courageous to declare his good news boldly. And I like that last phrase, in spite of great opposition. It says, where did this boldness to speak in spite of the great opposition come from? What was the source of this boldness to speak, to declare, to preach? Verse 2, yet our God gave us the courage. The source of the boldness was God. When you're facing fearful things, get into your prayer closet. When you're facing uncertain things, get along with God. When you are facing uncertainty, get along with God. God will give you courage and boldness. Can somebody say amen? Verse 3 talks about their character. So he says, so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. You can see, in other words, when you look at all that we've gone through, <laughs> nobody in his right mind would go through this unless God sent him, unless God called him, unless God had led him. So it testifies as to our character. He said, we did not come to you with any motive of deceit Impure motive or trickery. But our purpose has been this. Verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. And our purpose is to please God, not people. <laughs> We're messengers. Paul said we've been entrusted by God trusted by Lord. In other words, they've been proved, they've been tried. They've been counted worthy to be entrusted with something. And can I tell you, God has entrusted you with a message of hope. God's entrusted you with a message of life. God's entrusted you with eternal life. God has entrusted you with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important. Our purpose is to please God. I want to challenge us to be God pleasers. What is your motive? Motives matter. If your motive is to please people, your message will change with the times. If your motive is to please God, 
your message will be the same throughout time. Did you hear me? If your motive is to please people, your message will change with the times. But if your motive is to please God, your message will be the same with time. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The shifting sands of culture, the shifting sands of society, they will come and they will go. But the word of God will still remain. It's imperative, church, that we be God-pleasers and not man-pleasers. We call people, listen to me, love does what? Love calls them out, calls them up, and calls them to go deeper with him. That's true biblical love. God is our witness as to our motives. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Paul says we were authentic with you. Can I tell you what our world is looking for? Our world is looking for authenticity. I believe even more so than agreement, they're looking for authenticity. They're looking for you to be real. They're looking for you to be the same tomorrow as you are today. They're tired of seeing one thing one day and another thing next week. They want authenticity. Paul was authentic with the Thessalonians. And as to praise, he said this, verse 6, we have never sought it from you or anywhere else. There's a danger when you're seeking praise from man because then what you'll become is a performer. We're not performers. <laughs> we're worshipers. <laughs> but when we're doing things to please man, then you'll find yourself performing to get their approval. We have the audience of one. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to please the father above all things.